Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. I believe that the unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. Who said those words? It's a cliche for a preacher to quote Martin Luther King, but uh, like some cliches, like the Beatles... Rolling Stones, it's just good. <laughs> and Martin Luther King got these words and this idea that love overcomes evil from his namesake, Martin Luther. And Martin Luther got that idea from Jesus Christ, who says, Love your neighbor yourself. No, he says, Love your enemy and Paul discovered the meaning of this kind of love himself. The love overcomes evil. You know, just like uh, Martin Luther King, it just boggles my mind when I think about what he was facing. The prejudice and the violence threats, and yet comes out with this non-violent demonstration to change things. Like that was the tone, wasn't it? That was it. We're going to do this without using violence. And it worked. And it blows my mind that you could think like that when maybe you had a lot of reasons to use violence. But he's not the only one to experience this. You go back to Paul. We oftentimes think that, first of all, we think Christianity is somehow some sort of popular religion or the religion of the majority or somehow the religion of the oppressor. That's ridiculous, ignorant, and classic American absolute ignorance of history. Christianity started with a Jewish guy, <laughs> minority in the Roman Empire, under the oppression of Rome. But more than that, this Jesus was the minority in his own people as he was killed by his own people. And yet Jesus says, love your enemy. And you can't love your enemy more than Jesus loving the people that put him on the cross in the first place. And that is not just his fellow Jewish people or Pontius Pilate, but it's you and it's me. And then there's Paul. Let love be sincere. Bless those who persecute. It means crazy. 
Paul knew what it was like to be the oppressor and the oppressed. And I would strongly suggest that everybody is both. And if you don't think you are both, you do not know yourself. You do not know history. Everyone is an oppressor. Everybody has experienced oppression. Paul was the oppressor, right? I mean, this guy was large and in charge. As he says, he was persecuting the church. He was not loving his enemy. He was hating it. He couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand people saying that Jesus was God or Jesus was the Messiah. He literally stood and saw Stephen be killed. He didn't say anything. And then the same Paul ends up on his way to Damascus. And what happens? Jesus does what he tells us to do. He loves his enemy. And instead of punishing Saul, instead of throwing him into jail, instead of just with a slap of a finger killing him, Jesus knocks him off his horse, but welcomes him into the kingdom of love. Christ doesn't tell us to love our enemies from afar. He does it. He's done it. He does it with us. So when Paul says these words we're about to go through, he's not living in the majority. He's not living in a dominant society where he's on top. He's living from a position of being small, minority, and oppressed, if not persecuted. Paul was betrayed and thrown out by his fellow Jews, not allowed to go to the synagogue. Paul was left for dead as he went from Ephesus to Thessalonica. And he's teaching and talking to these Christians in Rome who were the minority as they were Jewish people thrown out of their synagogue. Let alone soon Nero was going to bring persecution upon the Christians because he was going to blame them for his economic policies that failed. And Rome burned, right? And who burned it? Talk about conspiracy theories. (laughs) He did. So when you're about to hear what you're going to hear, do not think that these are the words of someone that's wealthy and healthy and has everything all right, and it's easy for Paul to say. Look what he says, Romans chapter 12. We need these words more than ever. And I need you and God needs you to practice these things. Let love be genuine. Which I think right away, right? We all love. See, when love's not genuine, usually that means you feel love and talk how much you love everybody. I mean, who here is arguing with me yet? Who here says, no, pastor, I don't think we should love everybody, right? You're all like, oh, we should love everybody. And you do, and you have good feeling, oh, I just love everybody. Love being genuine means don't talk about it. Do it. Be consistent. Don't be a hypocrite. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. I like that. Acknowledge it. Don't normalize it. Don't let it just become a a normal thing in your life, whether it's an evil that you are dealing with or that's in your heart. Do not just say, well, that's just me. Abhor it. Mark it. Let alone the world. Hold fast to what is good. Delineate. If that's evil, you call it evil. You don't let it be anything else but evil. And you cling to what is good. Ultimately, it is Christ. 
Then he goes on, love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another who are not your brothers. They're not family. You have no relation to them, but you need to act as if they are your brother, which means you take care of them. You see all people as someone that you are called to be your brother. I think one of the worst things ever done in the Bible, the worst sin, the most disgusting words in the Bible were said by, and I bet you said them before in a sense, by Cain. What does he say when God says, hey, where's your brother? Cain says what? Am I my brother's keeper? What a jerk. We can be the same way. We don't see other human beings as someone we are responsible for their welfare and how they are doing. We are in this together let alone brothers and sisters in the church bought and paid for and brought together by the blood of Christ. I love, I love, well actually we're going to get in a second here. Love one another with brotherly affection. I love Martin Luther King says this, and it's been said before, but he says something like, uh, I don't like everybody. We're not called to like people. We're called to love them. And love is when you do something for somebody you might not like. It's not about like, it's about loving. I don't care if you like someone or not. You love them. And look what he says next. Uh, outdo one another in showing honor. When I read this um, uh, and thought about it again here yesterday, I think it should be a good auction thing, right? And the auction we had, outdoing one another, right? You bid. Isn't that awesome? We did, and we kicked butt, man. $207,000 because our wonderful community, you, outdid one another <laughs> to give money. I love being a part of things here. But outdo one another in showing honor in our competitive society, especially St. James community. You guys are competitors. I love it too. I love to compete and be better and excel and be successful and get everything right and just keep on going, keep on going. Paul says, why don't you use that energy? Why don't you use that competition to doing good? What if that was our race? I'm going to do better than you. I'm going to love that person even more than you do. Put that... <laughs> That little competitive edge into loving and doing good as opposed to accumulating things for yourself and getting the accolades. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. When you love your neighbor, you are serving God. When you look at someone who's hungry, you're giving Jesus food. When you see someone who's alone and you welcome them into your home, you say hi, whatever it is, you are doing that to Jesus. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's what offering is. We are loving. We are making sure the person sitting next to me gets to hear the gospel, gets to be served by the ministries of St. James. We're making sure that our neighbor gets to know that there is hope and peace and there's a community here that's going to make sure they are loved and welcomed in this crazy, isolating world. Now it gets hard. Anybody can love someone who loves them back. Anyone can give when they know they're going to get something back. That is not Christian love. What sets St. James apart, what sets Jesus' people apart, is not that they are really good at loving people they like. 
but that we love our enemy. And we need this now. Why don't you hearken to this today in this crazy world? Bless those who persecute you. Paul is not speaking in a vacuum. He's being persecuted, and he says, bless them. Which means, Lord, may their life be great. You pray for them. I hope they get that promotion at work. I hope they have the kids. I hope they do well in life. I hope they're protected from that tornado or whatever it might be. Bless them, those that persecute you. Think about this. And I want right now you to think you have someone that persecutes you or someone that's after you or someone that's your enemy. Who is it? Pray for them at the very least. Bless and do not curse them. You Facebook fanatics, social media warriors, we bless, we do not curse. We bless our enemies, those who are against us, those who persecute, even if they're the worst person in the world. We bless, we do not curse. You don't go around saying that person's a jerk. You don't slander their name, even if you think they deserve it. You don't gossip about them, even though they might be the worst person in the world. You bless, but you do not curse them. Could we try that? That's what Christians do. Christians don't jump into the filth. Christians don't get into the mess and sling the mud, even if it's deserved. Christians, when they receive insult, respond the opposite. Whether they like it or not, I don't care if you feel like doing it, you do it. I bet when you start doing it, you actually start feeling it. I really mean that. That's psychology 101. Doing something. Make it to you. What is it? I don't know. Any other. There's a cute little phrase. You bless. You do not curse. Rejoice with those. I love this here too. This is Christian life. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Something great's happening. That's something great that's happening to you. You rejoice with them. You smile with them. You don't try to look for ways that you can kind of bring it. You know, you're jealous or something. Looking for something in it for you. You rejoice with them. You're honest about it. I'm glad things are going well with you. Even if it's not going well in your life, that's not the Christian life. Is you rejoice when someone's doing well. You don't respond in jealousy. You don't think about, oh man, that guy's doing well. It makes me feel like I'm not doing well. I'm kind of showing how I'm not doing that great right now. You rejoice with them. And when someone weeps, you weep with them. We share the good and the bad. When someone's hurting at St. James, you're hurting. When this world is broken, you're broken. When Chicago's going through problems, you're going through problems. When people in neighborhoods are dysfunctional and they're challenged and there's awful things going on, that's you. You're a part of that. You own it. Because we are all in this together. We are our brother's keeper. Do not be haughty like you're all that. This is what we got to get rid of. One of our problems today is we just think we're something. We think we're righteous. We're not racist. We're not bad. We're not evil. We have the right answers. They're evil. They're wrong. And we are self-righteous, not reflective. And we can't understand anybody else that doesn't understand what we're talking about. Do not be haughty. But in Paul's talking specifically about 
associate with the lowly. That could be the sinner, the person of a low, you know, who knows what they've done. Maybe they're doing well financially, they live in the neighborhood, but they've got a history and no one hangs out with them because, yeah, man, she's just terrible. She's been three times divorced. I'm not going to associate with her. My friends will see that and it'll be a little embarrassing. Or maybe it is the person that's got nothing. Doesn't look too good. Looks a bit dirty. (laughs) And you're not just throwing money at the problem, but you are talking and hanging out with them. How dare we not? Who are you in God's eyes but a beggar that he loves as embraced, has brought into the kingdom? Christians associate, not simply give money to a cause we hang out with, we see, we say hi, we embrace those the world does not see. Jesus did that, eating with tax collectors and sinners, and my goodness, Jesus hung out between the, on the cross between two thieves, associated with the lowly, died for them, you and I. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Are you doing that? Or is your life about vengeance? Getting back. You think it's justice. And you think you're the judge. Repay no one with evil. No one who does evil with your evil. Don't get in their ugliness. This is huge. This is our problem today, I would say. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You don't get down in the mud with your arguments, with your problems, whatever that might be. But you're always acknowledging this person is a child of God. This person is no worse than I am. This person is loved by Jesus. And they're hating on me, and I'm not going to return it. We oftentimes think love is passive, that we're supposed to be doormats. That's not it. You are being proactive. You are being the aggressor when you are kind, when you don't repay evil with evil, but instead kind words, when you bless and do not curse. That is a moment of aggression. That's a weapon for their benefit. As you respond with good words and kindness and gifts. He goes on here and he says, um, uh, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If at all possible, live peaceably with all. Are you doing that? Paul is talking about this in the framework of being persecuted, having people yell at him, throw things at him, and leave him for dead. He knows what it's like to have enemies. He knows what it's like to be absolutely in the right and his enemies absolutely being in the wrong. And he says, just as Jesus says, you love them, you care for them, you speak well to them. You don't respond with, uh, with the same words they're giving you. Now finally he says this, verse 27. I want you to look at this. This is absolutely fundamental. Because this is what it all comes down to. Verse 27. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, we love that last part, overcome evil with good. We say it all the time. Martin Luther King says it, right? Love does it. Nelson Mandela talks about the same sort of thing, that he learned not to hate, but to do good, to respond to evil with good. We all say it, but it's hard to do. 
to overcome evil with good, to not get down in the muck, to tell someone that you know hates you, I love you. And Christ died for you. And I'm praying for you. I know you hate the fact that I'm praying for you, but I am. But the first part of that sentence is most important. That's where we got a problem. Verse 27. We skip to overcome evil with good. We like that, but look what he says first. Do not be overcome by evil. That's a problem right now. It's my problem. You let something consume you. And you get sunk into it. Do not be overcome by evil. It doesn't mean you shouldn't acknowledge that as evil. Abhor it. In other words, mark it. Don't ever be overcome by it. Don't let it grab you in and grab you low as it is. You see, it's hard to overcome evil with good when you get bought in by that evil. When you're watching the news and you see this awful thing going. You're looking at looters and thinking, how in the world is it in any way logical that you're taking from innocent people stuff and destroying property to make for some cause? And it makes you very angry. Or you see... What started that? How could that policeman have done that? It doesn't seem justified. I can't believe it. Or you have a friend that, you know, sort of doesn't seem to acknowledge that maybe there are people not treated well in this world. You know what I'm saying? They're very cavalier. I don't know what it is, but man, there's anger and there's fire going on because people today are being consumed and overcome by evil. Good people just letting it take over their emotions. That's why you have riots. That's why you have looters in the first place. They are overcome by it. And they're responding like animals. Some are just trying to make a dollar and just being ridiculous. And the same thing happens to us. How dare we as Christians be overcome by evil, get stuck in the mud? But it happens, doesn't it? Every morning you read the news and you can get very excited. Let me tell you, those, those looters, those riders, they're overcome. They're not thinking straight. They're doing stupid things because it's all emotional. Martin Luther says that a riot accomplishes nothing. Riots are only reactionary. And they always lead to nothing. But it makes sense because you're just full of that emotion. And I think that kid from, uh, that went to Kenosha with that gun, the same thing. That poor kid, because we as adults have created a world of chaos and emotion, was drawn in to go down there. He was overcome by evil, and he's going to go and do something about it. Don't let you be that person or your kids. Don't let the devil do this. Where all you can see is how bad the world is or your enemy is and it consumes you. I know what that feels like. I've been there. I, I, it can get crazy, can't it? I strongly encourage you, every day you need to begin in God's word, embrace the good. You need to get above all this. The Christian church should not be in this. We should not be jerks to one another. We should not be talking frantically on our social media. We should not be slinging mud. We're above this. Our lives are not dependent upon who's elected. Our lives are not dependent on how well we do in this world. Our lives are not even dependent upon how just the world is. Because we know we are all sinners, we live in the grace of God, and we will rise again. Every day you need to stick your head in God's word and see the cosmic picture and get out of the little narrow world that we're in. 
and be reminded, first of all, who are you to judge? You are the evil that Jesus fought for and did good to and overcame. Every morning we need to remind ourselves we're baptized in Christ. That we've been won over by his absolute love and mercy. We are that shooter. We are that kid. We are that rioter. We are that cop. You are that. And Christ died for you. Every morning you need to be overcome by God's goodness. Because none of these words of advice that Paul tells you to do work at all. You're not impo- the only way you have the power to love your enemy is by sitting at the cross and seeing how much God has loved you who once were his enemy. And still does. And how patient he is with you. And how loving he is with you. May the Lord, uh, please, I beg you, brothers and sisters in Christ, St. James, let's rise above Let's overcome evil with good. Let's not be overcome by evil. Let's rise above this. That doesn't mean away from it. We care about all these situations. Let us pray. Let us get involved. But let us do from a standard of loving our enemies, of not being judgmental, of serving one another, whoever that person is. Are you with me? Are we going to do this? The world needs this. Got it? The world needs you. This city needs you, your neighbors, somebody who has peace and hope, who's not stuck in the parochial, small little world of America and these problems. And they're big, but it's not everything. This city needs people that know there's a bigger story going on, a God that loves us, sins are forgiven, and we will rise again, and it's going to be okay. In Jesus' name. Amen.